the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. I hope uh, your weekend's going well. Um, Boy, we uh, really uh, were lucky not to have the the terrible experience and disaster that Florida and and other states have had with with the the Hurricane Ian. So um, if, uh, I mean, I know I have clients and friends uh, down south so uh, everybody, you know, you're all in our prayers, and um, and and I pray that everything gets better as quickly as it can. Although it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. So we're thinking about you and praying for you. Good program for you today. We're going to talk about the top stories of this week, some economic uh, data, pretty uh, important economic data, and then also joining me in just a little bit, Dr. Christopher Mannion. Um, He is at the Population Research Institute. We're going to be talking. We know how what a dumpster fire it is here in the United States with uh, the administration, uh, such poor policies, inflation, uh, recession, uh, financial markets, um, the problems that obviously we have in schools, in elections. I mean, it's just literally it's it's a it's a real mess. But we're going to kind of stray for a little bit today and talk about what's going on over in Europe because they're having um, some real problems there as well. So we're going to talk about that, how that impacts the world economy, and then also um, how uh, a country like Hungary is really getting it right. And uh, maybe Italy is going to be changing and start getting it right, too, after the uh, election of their first female prime minister who— God family country. She seems to be fiscally and um, socially uh, conservative uh, and and true in her beliefs. Time will tell, of course, but we're going to be talking about those things and what it means for um, countries, even other than ours, uh, you know, what's going on around the world, as I mentioned. One of the things, unfortunately, we continue to learn, um, you know, when the virus made its way here from China and then you had the forced and draconian uh, policies that government uh, federal, local, state, municipalities, you name it, put in place uh, when they really didn't know what they were doing. It was all arbitrary. Six feet. Why six feet and not six feet, six inches, right? Um, we now know that cloth masks don't work. Um, there's very, very uh, serious questions coming up about the vaccines themselves. Um, I, I have a feeling that you're really going to see some serious litigation um, against companies like Pfizer uh, with some class action lawsuits. Wouldn't surprise me. But the other thing we learned from this, uh, the Department of Labor's inspector general this week reported that it suspects at least $45 billion, that's your money, taxpayer money, $45 billion in fraudulent unemployment insurance claims have been handed out since May 2020. So this was a new report from the Office of the Inspector General. It addressed its concern with the Employment and Training Agency failing to respond to previous reports that billions of dollars in fraudulent claims were being paid and for failing to provide accurate and timely information. Again, that's your money. So in June of 2021, 
The Office of the Inspector General reported it found roughly $16 billion in potentially fraudulent claims. Uh, The claims resulted from people using Social Security numbers to file for unemployment insurance in multiple states uh, on the behalf of dead people. So like voting, now they just don't use dead people to vote. Um, They're actually using them and their identity to uh, get money. Using suspicious email accounts and from federal prisoners. So that has to make us all feel good too, right? Since that report, the Office of the Inspector General has identified $29.6 billion more in potentially fraudulent claims, according to that report we got um, recently. So it just goes to show that's just a small piece of the fraud that was um, involved and probably still is being uh, done, actually, because of the virus. Which nobody's holding China account for, unfortunately. Uh, maybe that will change. We have to hope so. Between that and the fentanyl, um, it's obvious they just want to kill as many Americans as possible. Also, I saw this week investors are turning increasingly bearish on the state of the U.S. stock market. Um, not a big surprise, but uh, Bank of America came out with um, their really darkened economic outlook um, in an analyst note. The Bank of America uh, strategist said that investors are flocking to cash as they shun other assets. So what we saw last week, um, cash saw inflows of $30.3 billion compared to a uh, a loss of $7.8 billion for global equity funds and outflows of $6.9 billion for bond funds. You even saw a decline in gold. So, um, you know, about there was about a four hundred million dollar difference there. So you've got this lackluster investor sentiment, which is unquestionably the worst it's been since the global financial crisis and the housing uh, wreck back in 2008, 2009. And, uh, you know, people are becoming more and more pessimistic. One of the reasons for that is it's not just the numbers, um, it, it's like I said, it's the poor policy. It's the lack of leadership. Um, it's very, very foolish uh, bills, spending bills that are being passed. And um, and then, of course, with the media not having any uh, they don't really have credibility. So people are, have multiple prongs when it comes to them uh, not feeling good about the way things are going on. You know, I mentioned uh, gold a minute ago. I just circle back to that and say that you see it all the time advertised on radio, TV, the Internet, like it's, uh, you know, a save all. The price of gold fell to a 30 month low a few days ago. So, you know, you saw gold down to one thousand six hundred thirty six dollars and ninety cents an ounce about $400 below or 20% lower than the end of the first quarter. That's a 20% drop since the end of the first quarter in gold. So that's not too far from the S&P and the Dow and the NASDAQ, right? Um, So that's how bad things are, is that even these precious metals um, are having their own problems. So um, just something to, to, to keep in mind. Don't get caught up in the, 
you know, buy gold, buy gold, buy gold thing um, because uh, it doesn't always work out. Make it, obviously, if you want it to be part of your portfolio, it's uh, precious metals is a great asset class. And then the question is, do you own it directly or do you own it through uh, various other ways like owning stock and companies that do the mining, owning stock in the companies that create the mining equipment, things of that nature. So uh, just be thoughtful uh, when you're looking to build that. We also, you know, continue to see the uh, just the really stupid climate alarmist. Uh, we've been talking about this stuff here on the program for, I guess, 15 years or more now. Um, unfortunately, we talk about it more because it's ramped up. Uh, they're uh, trying to get more traction. This week, we saw the World Bank president, David Malpass, um, really on the chopping block because of climate change. So um, some officials in this uh, clown car administration have uh, been talking apparently about replacing Malpass over his climate stance. Um, so, you know, he was asked something about climate and he said he's not a scientist. Well, right away, you know, the New York Times and everybody is like all up in his grill wanting him to to resign. And uh, people, you know, they had stupid protests the other day. I actually got an email. I don't know how I ended up on this email list. I forget the name of the organization. Um, it was Glasgow something. But anyway, you know, I get an email. They want you to come down and stand in front of the World Bank um, down in D.C. with a bullhorn and some stupid banner. Um, and, I, you know, it's funny. I never saw any press coverage over that. So I don't know if that just um, didn't really materialize or fizzled out or what. But um, the reason, one of the reasons I bring this up is the World Bank, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, guess who the largest contributors are to those organizations? You are, the American taxpayer. The United States is the largest donor to the World Bank and to the International Monetary Fund. It's bad enough that the World Bank already provided close to $32 billion in lending for climate-related investments. Whatever that means, right? Because nobody will say what climate change is or what they're going to do with these billions and trillions of dollars that they're getting. But um, it's not, it's not going to be good for the most part. I mean, some smart technologies, I'm sure, uh, will benefit. And no, I'm not a, you know, I mean, the climate always changes. It always has. It always will. Um, they use these buzzwords. They're, I think they're stupid. Um, but when technologies are proven, then, you know, it makes sense. Like for me, for example, um, when we built our new home 10 years ago, I put in a geothermal heating and air conditioning system utilizing proven technology for more efficiency to keep my energy bills down and to do it in a good way. So there's nothing wrong with proven technology. But this other stuff where they just use the word is um, it's just ignorance. And that's why so many people don't buy into it. They don't care about your Tesla or your Volt or any anything else. You know, that's your hey, it's America. Drive what you want. Don't even think about telling me what I can do. Just like the mask or if you're um, essential or not. How I mean, who tells you you're essential or not as a worker in this country? We didn't I mean, I, we didn't listen to them. 
they, it was obvious they didn't know what they were doing. They were flying by the seat of their pants, making flip-flopping, making changes all the time. But, um, yeah, so they were trying to get David Malpass kicked out. That's the latest thing. Um, oh, and by the way, when I was just mentioning about my geothermal, um, guess what? The average U.S. household heating bill is expected to increase 17.2% this winter compared to last year. Okay, that's just a heating bill. 17.2%. People are already struggling because of fuel prices, because of the stupid climate stuff that this administration has put in place. When we know we can be totally energy independent and drive prices down and do it the best cleanest and safest way possible in this entire world. But no, they don't want to do that. So you're still dealing with these crazy high fuel prices. What about the food prices, right? What about rent and mortgage rates? And I mean, it's just you name one thing after another. But um, this came from the National Energy Assistance Directors Association. So basically, this is just on average, heating bills are going to go up 200 bucks a month. Um, this is terrible. I mean, all of these policies are coming from people who could care less if they do drive their own car. They could care less what it costs um, if they're not being chauffeured around. They could care less what a meal costs. They don't even question it. They could care less about a rent cost or about a rising mortgage rate. But you're starting to see these bubbles that they live in get pricked. And I think that's great. Another example of just how poor um, leadership can be and what it can do to a state is California. I saw this week that Chevron sold their current headquarters in California, and they're going to move into some small lease space, just about a third of uh, what they have now because they continue to relocate employees to Texas. So you're talking about the largest um, energy company in the United States. Their global headquarters has been um, in that area for, you know, a couple decades. And they've been in California since 1879. 1879. So, you know, a lot of the leadership has said, look, we got to get out of here. This state is insane. The way they treat their um, their residents, the way they treat businesses, especially certain businesses. So, yeah, so they're on their way um, to fully transition, it sounds like, over to uh, Texas. And then lastly, plant-based meats are no longer all the rage, right? They were just the last couple years, but according to Deloitte Consulting, sales are declining, um, and people are just, they want regular proteins, normal proteins. And they also find that those normal proteins, even though they're really expensive, they're cheaper on a price-per-pound basis, according to this report. So, of course, you know, then when you just look at um, traditional proteins, chickens and, and beef, you've got that, um, that honest taste. You know, it's good for your health. You don't have the fake ingredients. Um, the only problem we still have there is we talk about this on the program often 
is a country of origin. So, you know, we want to make sure that um, that that's not or that that gets fixed. So, in other words, people can bring people, meaning um, foreign countries, can bring their beef into this country, repackage it with the USDA uh, wrapping, and you don't know any different. There's something so wrong with that, I, I don't even know where to start. So we have to make sure we keep track of that uh, for sure. And um, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break. And then when we come back, we've got some economic data, including the final reading on GDP for the second quarter that for all of those deniers, well, it'll answer their question. On the WFMD app. A service of Frederick Air. Download it now at WFMD.com. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can check it out there. Sneaking up on our 25-year anniversary. So uh, that's in um, November. Hard to believe. But, uh, yeah, we started November 1997 here at WFMD in the studios. Um, So uh, looking forward to that. And, um, you know, I was talking right before the break. As far as the economic data, um, it's 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 really not good. Um, I don't think that's a big news flash to anybody. Um, it's just unfortunate that we have to talk about it. Um, I, I think the big thing that we're noticing is, um, again, folks, uh, investors are becoming more pessimistic. We're seeing some uh, slowing in the housing sector, for example along with other areas. Um, so, I mean, it's mixed info, but, you know, it's something that we're watching. Uh, pending home sales, for example, just tumbled in August. They were down 24% compared with the same month one year ago. And uh, they were much worse than what economists were looking for. And then you listen to the National Association of Realtors chief economists saying that the direction of mortgage rates upward or downward, is the prime mover for home buying, and decade-high rates have deeply cut into contract signings. And, you know, that's something that we're, again, we have to deal with. Mortgage rates continue to reach these multi-year highs each week, it seems like. Um, You know, up to the last I saw was 30-year average was 6.7%. But that's having an impact on new home sales and on refinancing as well. Um, and then you look at, uh, as I mentioned, we got, you have all these people that deny, you want to talk about denying something, they're, they're denying um, a recession. So historically, which maybe that, I, you know, that that's the answer. They don't believe in history, the truth. But historically, two quarters back to back, negative gross domestic product, is the definition for a recession, and that's what we're in. So what we saw is the U.S. economy shrank for the second consecutive quarter 
in the months ended in June. The final reading uh, came out on uh, Thursday, and it showed, according to um, uh, the government, that in the second quarter, the economy shrank six-tenths of one percent, minus six-tenths of one percent. After the first quarter, minus 1.6 percent. So this is the broadest measure of goods and services produced across our economy here in America. And when you have those two back to back, it is recession. Um, I know people even, you know, I didn't look into it, but I saw something where there was like 11 changes on Wikipedia where they were going in and trying to manipulate that. You know, what is a recession? So it's like all these other uh, untrue talking points that we see. Um, But the National Bureau of Economic Research, they're the ones that actually call and date it. Um, Now, they don't meet regularly, only when members decide that it's warranted and, you know, they need to get together. So I would be thinking they need to get together, (laughs) don't you? Um, But maybe they're in denial as well. Um, It's a shame. We see these regional reports that continue to show uh, lackluster growth or even decline in some areas. And uh, you've got the Fed who is totally overreacting to the, uh, the, the problem that they purposely created with this uh, zero interest rate policy for so long and, and buying assets and lying to everybody saying it was transitory. There's rumors that Janet Yellen, as a Treasury secretary, is going to step down after the midterms. I guess they're going to put her on the altar for sacrifice. Um, but she's been drunk at the wheel as well for decades, just in different positions as a bureaucrat. And the funny thing is, when these, like when she left the Federal Reserve because uh, President Trump didn't reappoint her, um, she goes out after doing a terrible job for the uh, Obama administration and, and and makes millions and millions and millions of dollars as a speaker. And that's what Jerome Powell's going to do when he's done. Who wants to listen to a person that wrecks our monetary policy? Why would you want to? I mean, who buys a ticket to that? It's proven that they don't know what they're doing. And they're going to, I mean, you know, people are going to pay them. I don't understand that for sure. I mean, hey, good for them, capitalist society, right? And make all the money you can if if that's uh, if that's the way you, you want to be. But who would buy that ticket? That's my point. Knowing what we know has gone on. So, um, all right, quick break. When we come back from the news break, we'll be talking uh, with my guest, Doctor Christopher Mannion. Uh, he's uh, at the Population Research Institute. Um, there's some really I've talked about this vaguely for the last couple few years, really good things going on in Hungary, the country, um, it, total opposite of the other goofballs over there in the European Union and their, um, you know, Brussels powwows and trying to make everybody. That's why, by, by the way, it was so wonderful to see Britain finally exit from the European Union. I mean, it took them five, six years, a lot longer than it should have after the voters voted. But they finally got out. And remember, I was telling you that everybody's saying that the uh, 
the, the economy is going to collapse and all this other stuff. I mean, they had their problems this week with pensions, but um, it's just great that they're not part of the European Union anymore. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Also, Italy, maybe get uh, Dr. Mannion's opinion on um, the uh, incoming prime minister there. So stay tuned. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast. Hope your weekend's going well. Uh, as I mentioned right before we got that uh, news break in for you, uh, we were going to be talking with my guest this morning, Dr. Christopher Mannion. He works on uh, family issues at the Population Research Institute. And just a quick heads up, if you want to learn more about that organization, go to pop.org. It's that simple. Um, and uh, we've talked with the organization before. Uh, they have uh, they do some really, really good work, uh, have a lot of free material available at pop.org. I get their emails. And um, the one that I saw this week was intriguing. Personally, uh, when I look at the European Union, obviously there's a lot wrong with it. I was uh, so happy when the British people voted back in 2016 to exit the European Union. Um, and the, probably the best article I saw on that was in the Wall Street Journal one morning. And it talked about a, uh, a Brit and he was a business owner who walked out, looked up the street and couldn't read the signs. Basically, they had been overtaken um, by uh, a lot of people that weren't native to there, and it was having a negative impact on their quality of life and 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 things of that nature. Very interesting. So they voted, and that's uh, you know they just exited, and the world didn't end like everybody said it was going to, and the financial uh, hub didn't collapse like everybody said it was going to in London. Um, and life goes on. Well, Hungary is very similar, and I've talked about it in brief a couple times on the radio program where um, they just do things very, very different than most of the European uh, states. So that's why I wanted to have Dr. Christopher Mannion on. Uh, he earned his Ph.D. in government uh, from Notre Dame, spent several years on the staff of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on Capitol Hill, and, uh, and you've probably seen his writing over the years in the Wall Street Journal, National Review, uh, and other areas. Good morning. Uh, how are you, Dr. Mannion? Oh, it's it's Chris, please, and good morning, and thanks for your invitation. Yes. Glad to be here. Yes, sir, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to come on, Chris. So um, 
if you, you know, you and I were talking uh, briefly before uh, we got on the air here, and you had mentioned um, that you actually lived in Hungary, uh, spent time there for a while. Can you give us a sense of, of what the country's like for those of us who haven't been uh, too hungry uh, as far as the, 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 the climate, the, um, the, the landscape, the countryside, the people? Sure. It, uh, I've visited Hungary many times because of both political uh, reasons when I was on the staff of the Foreign Relations Committee and when I was studying in Austria right next door. And then some business uh, transactions that brought me that back uh, in uh, the later years. And it's a fascinating country because, uh, let's face it, there are tough people with a tough history. Uh, they were under Muslim rule for 200 years and uh, had 500 years of coexistence with Muslim peoples. They know them well. And they were under communist rule for 30 years. And so uh, what I learned, both of growing up in a community near Notre Dame where there were a lot of Hungarian exiles, and uh, from my interactions with them since, they're a tough people. There are only 10 million Hungarians in Hungary they have a vibrant culture, and they know that they have to fight for it. They have to preserve it. So they're, they're tough, and they are defensive. Uh, they are going to preserve what they love, and uh, the countryside is beautiful. They are very traditional in the countryside. Uh, the, uh, it's just so colorful and enjoyable. Uh, I'm a music fan. I've been there with their musicians in Hungary. That's what brought me there, and they are... Uh, very culturally rich people that want to preserve all that they love. And they, I'd call it Western civilization in brief. Yeah, no, that's that's great and very helpful. And what we see is, um, and uh, by the way, uh, if you go to pop.org, you can um, read uh, the various articles, uh, including about Hungary. And what they find now is uh, themselves uh, kind of being... Um, sent to the corner by the European Union and the leaders in Brussels uh, because uh, they are so um, uh, pro-family, pro-life. Um, and, and is that, and they, as far as I'm concerned, they have wonderful leadership with uh, Prime Minister Orban and uh, the president of the country, uh, Catalina Novak. Um, how are they dealing with that, do you think, you know, in the European Union, but yet being kind of shunned, if you will? Well, uh, they're tough folks, and uh, they have no apologies. Uh, the April elections uh, confirmed the Hungarian support for their pro-family. Uh, and as an economist, you'd understand the importance of family because people are the most valuable resource. And they endorse family growth. They reward it with tax uh, compensation for large families. Uh, they are pro-life because they understand from the European Union's point of view that they are never, they aren't going to last for long, only 10 million people, if they start aborting their own children and allowing them to be replaced like the rest of Europe, unfortunately, being replaced by immigrants. Uh, in 2015, Ambassador Zabel told me that there were 80,000 illegal immigrants coming through Hungary every day. 
80,000. You do the math. Uh, they didn't want to stay in Hungary because Hungary's welfare benefits weren't big enough. They wanted to go to Germany and Sweden. And what's happened to Germany and Sweden is that the immigrants that have gone there are much more proportionally in the welfare lines than in the workplace. And that would have destroyed Hungary in 10 years. So in 2015, they built a fence that has made the Europeans very mad, even though European law requires law and order, just like the United States has laws that are totally ignored by this administration. The EU has ignored its own laws because it's ignored its own future by having so few children. The average birth rate in Europe is almost uh, one child uh, per family. Yeah. And uh, by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, um, talking with my guest, Dr. Christopher Mannion, um, and uh, he got his Ph.D. in government from Notre Dame, uh, was on the staff at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on Capitol Hill and um, has written uh, uh, various uh, pieces in The Wall Street Journal and other uh, publications and uh, does a, a lot of work at the um, the uh, Population Research Institute, which you can go to pop.org. And uh, and if you're driving, don't try to write that down, although it is pretty easy to remember. Uh, just give me a call and I'll give you that uh, website information. And um, so they are totally bucking the trend. I think that's why I'm, I'm so um, in all of them uh, in Hungary, because they are so not like the European Union. And like you said, they don't want they want to reward things that that matter and that make sense, like family like life, like hard work, not welfare, um, tradition, as you had mentioned a couple times, you had used that word. Um, so they seem to be, and, and obviously it's working because if they have all of those uh, immigrants coming through and not staying, they know that they can get, you know, uh, bigger handouts elsewhere. So I give them a lot of credit. I mean, we're talking about a country that's roughly the size of the state of Kentucky, here in the United States, and uh, they really are digging in and making a positive difference, it sounds. Well, they are because uh, they are standing out uh, against the European Union, which is, it's curious, getting more and more militant about its pro-abortion uh, stance at the European Parliament. Uh, in June last year, they passed an uh, uh, um, abortion resolution calling for its inclusion, the right to abortion in international law, which is not currently in international law or the EU law. Then along comes the U.S. Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health uh, decision last June, returning the family issues to the states constitutionally and to the people. And they condemn the U.S. Supreme Court at the European Union uh, Parliament. It's hilarious. And it's interesting because every European country, everyone has a stronger abortion law, anti-abortion law, than the Biden administration wants, which is abortion all the way through the ninth, uh, ninth month and probably a few more days after that. So the... Parliament has taken Hungary as a personal insult, a personal insult. 
And yet, I met our president, Steve Mosier, at pop.org. That's easy to remember when you're in the car, pop.org. Steve was in China doing research on uh, the uh, cultural uh, aspects of uh, rural life when they had the one-child policy initiated. And I found Steve when he was kicked out of China and Stanford for revealing that we brought him to Washington and we revealed to the world the one-child policy, which today has produced a very aged population with fewer children, more old folks, and it's an image of what would happen to the whole world if in two generations everybody had one child or less. That's, uh, that's people. People are prosperity. Uh, that's the key to prosperity is children, is people. They're the world's greatest resource. And that's what we've learned from the population demographic crisis. The Erdogan, the strong man in Turkey, has told Turks in Turkey to have three children. He understands. You know what he told children, what families in uh, the European Union, because there are millions of Turks there, have five children. He knows that the future belongs to children. Yep, just like it always has. No, that's an excellent point. Um, I really appreciate it. We're going to squeeze in a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with my guest this morning, Dr. Christopher Mannion, and um, we'll learn more about what's going on in Hungary. Maybe he has an opinion on um, the uh, new, soon-to-be new prime minister, Malonis, uh, uh, in Italy as well, because she seems to be cut from the same cloth, at least so far, what she said, uh, like the Hungarian leadership. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can check it out there. And um, I mentioned at the beginning of the show earlier uh, that we've got our 25-year anniversary coming up. Uh, last year, if you were fortunate to be with us, we had uh, Dr. Ben Carson on, and he shared that anniversary. Uh, by the way, we uh, actually uh, received an award for that, uh, uh, an award of excellence for that interview. So thanks for being part of that. And uh, this morning, another really good interview, talking with uh, Dr. Christopher Mannion. He um, works at the Population Research Institute. Go to pop.org, and you can see uh, a lot of the work that they do there. And um, uh, we're going to wrap up our conversation on the other side here. So, um, so Chris, um, I mentioned about, you know, the, the European Union being uh, hostile now to Hungary. Uh, they actually did some things in Parliament, from what I understand, um, you know, again, not officially recognizing Hungary like they have in the past. Do you think that's going to make any difference uh, or will they, the Hungarians just let that roll off their back? Well, they're going to do their best. And let me say I congratulate you for that 25 years 
My dad had a program, a radio program, for 25 years in the 50s through the 70s. It was a pioneering one in those days, before talk radio and all the rest. But he was Mr. Conservative, introduced the country to Barry Goldwater in 1958 and so on. I salute you because I know how hard it is. I grew up with it. Yeah, no, well, thank and you for I that. I appreciate it. And know how hard it is to answer your question about how to deal with opposition. You've got to be true to yourself. And their self-image is one of a cultural depth, including faith and family, which the Europeans have not lost but have allowed to be dimmed by the desire for self-indulgence rather than uh, self-protection. And uh, if, there, if you could sum it up that way, I think that Hungary is going to be as tough as it can. But listen, they were under communist rule for 30 years, and they feel it. They know it. They have... Uh, I, I've... Uh, I, I've been there, and the, the first thing they'll do is show me where the Russian tanks came in 1956 when the revolution was uh, begun and failed. So uh, Cardinal Menzeni was hiding in the basement of uh, the U.S. Embassy in Budapest for years until he was finally released. These are tough people. Yeah, it They're sounds like it. Bend. Yeah, and you use that word often, tough, and I, it, I, I'm sure it's it's very accurate from what they sound like. And then, you know, just some basic information I was able to find and research before our conversation that uh, over 37 percent are Roman Catholics, and then you have 18 over 18 percent non-denominational, uh, a small Jewish population, a small Lutheran population. But it just in general, like you said, it sounds like a a country of faith uh, that really is committed to those things that are so important, like family and life and uh, traditional values. Well, the uh, even in the United States, uh, we all get along, but those fundamental realities of limited government, uh, no other civilization in history believed in liberal and limited government until Western civilization decided that government had to be limited because we are created for a future home that is eternal and politics can't deliver that yeah absolutely. every other regime in the world every other civilization the emperor is also the god yep and all we have to do is just pay attention to that history right but for some reason people act like it didn't happen or that they can do it better so before we run out of time uh what is your take on the uh soon-to-be uh, Italian prime minister. What do you think of her? Well, uh, I did teach in Rome for a year and learned. To, uh, <laughs> I was in Rome and there was never a government. They were constantly in chaos. And God bless the Italians. Uh, they're uh, they're a wonderful people, uh, but uh, order is not their their first priority. This gal is pro family. She is pro-Italy, and she is, the dirty word, nationalist. She believes that Italy should survive as Italy and not be absorbed into a bureaucratic conglomerate of the European Union. Immediately, that's an insult to you-know-who. Yeah, and, and yet it makes so much sense because we've seen 
all of the damage. Literally, we've seen what's come out of Brussels uh, with, you know, these uh, people trying to uh, control all of these states, which many of them, like we were talking about Hungary and now, you know, Italy, based on the voting, um, they don't want that anymore. You know, and I mentioned earlier with uh, with Great Britain, the same thing. They just want to you know, they want to live their lives and they want less government. They don't want to be told what to do. They just want actually Brussels to get out of their way, it sounds like. Well, nobody likes an unelected bureaucrat telling them what to do. Yeah, for sure. No, you're you're 100 percent right. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time. But again, you can go to pop.org and uh, find my guest this morning, Dr. Christopher Mannion, and a lot of other really good stuff there, uh, his work and other work uh, that, they, uh, that they do at the Population Research Institute. Um, so check that out. Okay, Chris, thanks so much for spending time with us. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Thanks for the invite, Chris, and congratulations again. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, by the way, um, he's a, a, a granddad as of last week. I forgot to bring that up. So uh, God bless him and his family, uh, especially with that new grandbaby. And uh, that does it for us. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. So we'll uh, uh, wrap things up here. And um, I'll talk with you on the Morning News Express. That's weekday mornings, live calls with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. And um, and then um, that's 5.56, And then we'll be back here uh, next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. And if you missed anything from the program today, like I said, you need the uh, website address or names or any of that, uh, feel free to, to give me a shout and I'll make sure I get it to you. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapel Heating and Air Conditioning. News Radio 930, WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.